Hey, welcome to Traumarama Ding Dong. This is Remy Ramirez. This is Jonathan Griffin. And today we're going to be talking about the trauma of chaos. Oh my God, the chaos. I feel like you need to tell us about some chaos. Oh my God, my life is chaos. Our lives are chaos. We live in a chaotic universe, a very complex complex system of chaos. Yeah, you, chaos. Have, you have some chaos. And also we're going to be talking to Jessica Molnar today. Say hi, Jessica. There she is. Wait, Jessica, on your birthday day, we're going to need a better peep out of you. Oh, okay. Well, hi, everybody. Uh, Yay! Thank you, Remy and Jonathan, for having me on this show. Oh, my God. We're so excited. And it's your goddamn motherfucking birthday. So we are so honored that you Yay! are choosing to hang out with us today. Yay! Yay! It's your birthday, Chahi. <laughs> That's from All Dogs Go to Heaven. Thank you. Cute, cute, cute pup reference. Wait, yeah. so, so what the fuck happened to you today? Oh my God. No, it's not today. It's an ongoing system and there will be fucking other, this is just the beginning of the chaos and the trauma of chaos, but in my life. Okay. So here we go. I'll, I'll try to keep it short and sweet because we got a lot to talk about today. But, um, so my 18 year old Christian nephew, who I love dearly, but is like my nephew, my baby, like my firstborn nephew, you know, like mm -hmm. an extension of myself in the world who I've only ever like given love and, you know, affirmation and, you know, I'm uncle, I'm the queer uncle. Totally. So, um, Turns 18, graduate school, going off to Christian college in Colorado in the fall. Huge, big moment. Been wanting to come to San Francisco ever since he was a baby, right? To visit his big old gay uncle in the city. It's big old scary city. So finally, I buy him, a or he buys a ticket. I buy him, you know, we, I get him a house set up here in my apartment. Little bed. I have an itinerary. You know, I go it's happening. Uncle Yes, I go gay uncle out on this whole fucking project because it's my nephew and I have to show him the city. Anyway, pick him up from the airport, literally come drive directly because he loves pizza, loves classics. So I take him to the classic, classics of San Francisco, just the, the greatest hits of San yeah. Francisco. So yeah. pizza and dim sum, right? Those are the first two on the list. Okay. That said, I'm preparing for pride. So my body is snatched, but also I have a very strict diet and I know exactly what the fuck is going into this bod right now. Okay. So I had been preparing by supplementing with my protein powder and incorporating in my workouts just for being a fat kid the day my nephew came. Cause I was like, <laughs> I'm going to get I'm going to eat dim sum till I can't. And then I'm going to eat pizza until I can't on both, you know, on this day. Yeah. Because 100%. that's what you do in the city when you're showing your nephew, your beloved nephew, this beloved city, right? Love to love. It's like your show. So anywho, I pig out. Pig out. Two places. Dim sum pizza. Pig the fuck out. <laughs> My belly is distended. My butthole is pooched. I am... <laughs> <laughs> I'm as I'm as my little purse is as full as she can get so then like I'm you know I'm like a granny snatching all the saltines okay um, just sticking it in just yeah um, all the yeah. orifices are full oh all, my god the and then some that shouldn't even be full are full like okay you know yeah, um, the ears. Yeah, yeah, the ear, yeah everything every crevasse um uh -huh. so then in post-pandemic, I've been wearing a fucking mask, sanitizing my hands. I've been isolated, going crazy in my room like a fucking like crazy person. This is a big moment for me to be out and proud yes, in the world, right? For sure. But then, post-vaccine, right? 
Then, all of a sudden, just walking down the fucking road, I start to feel feverish. Oh, it's the worst. And then the fever grows. And then I'm like, okay, this is actually, I thought it was because my white pale colonizer skin, like out in the sun. I was like, oh, I have a sunburn, but I wore 50 SPF, you know, whatever. Um, I'm going to go colonize another corner of the globe. But no, it is not a sunburn. It is a fucking fever. And it is a high fever. It's like 105. Oh my God. Yeah. So then I I go home. Yeah, bitch, it's high. Oh, and then shit. I go home. Yeah. So I go home, take melatonin. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sleep it off. I'm going to wake up great in the morning and show them the city. Right? No. False. Instead, I start to shit blood for four days. Uh. And not just blood. Like, I had to go into the shower and it was, let's just say it was ceaseless. It was endless. No. It was a fountain. But because I have the oh trauma that we talked about partially on the health episode and the religion episode, I was raised Pentecostal. So you don't go to the doctor. You pray. Oh and no! You, you pray, pray the poop hard. away. You yeah, you pray all the things away. You pray all the pain away. So in my head, I have a copay, you know, but also prayer work. So I'm praying. <laughs> I'm I don't want to do the copay at the emergency. You know, no yeah, copay. Totally. I'm a right. poor person in a system that doesn't pay for my fucking healthcare. It's and no I've been pay. Unemployed. Right. So anyway, no pay. No pay. No On the pay. fourth day, I wake up with the foot fever again, still shitting blood. So I go to the emergency room and they treat me like I'm a fucking like they treat me like I'm an alien. Right. Because they're like, oh, my God, it's an infectious disease. They're da, like, da, da, poop. Da, da. how dare you bring we your poop here? We just this got out of the hospital. pandemic. No, no, they, no, no. They took it very seriously, Remy. Oh, because oh, I, I was like, saying. I told them my symptoms and they were like, oh, no, it's obviously an infectious, terrible disease. They were like, oh, they were like, Which, unfortunately. Right. Which unfortunately, I actually know the drill because two years ago I went to a wedding in upstate New York and contracted fucking typhoid fever. This is the thing that I can't fucking believe. What? Typhoid? Yeah. Which I'm like the only American in like 100 years. So I've already been in contact with the CDC. So they literally have my number. They literally know me. I'm like a frequent. I am a chaotic. You're a frequent customer. Yeah. I am a frequent flyer at the CDC. keep coming back which is so perfect (laughs) for the chaos episode yeah yeah and i'm like share because my bitch ass people want to cancel my bitch ass i'm a recurring subscription bitches (laughs) to the cpc oh my god damn it it's like yeah yeah i just spilled my water and anger um anyway (laughs) so then i was like really concerned when i got home from the emergency room on hardcore antibiotics but i called the cdc calls me and i have an interview with the fucking cdc lady my and god at the, yeah at the end of the interview i was just like i want you to be well thank you for the work you're doing thank you for like creating healthy and safe spaces for people i really appreciate that like from a at a human level right i want to have a human interaction with the cdc person and i was like can i ask you a personal question she was like sure and i was like what would you do like i feel like kind of the onus the responsibility ethically is on me to like keep people from getting sick like i just got sick mm-hmm. so like girl what do i do girl yeah and the lady CDC on the phone, girl the lady was like, thank you for saying that. And I was like, you're welcome. And then she was like, um, you could just go to the restaurant directly and just like ask to speak to a manager and just give them the hot take. And like, mm-hmm. so they can maybe clean. And I was like, of course, that's what I'm going to do. These yeah, are like, my neighbors. So they can disinfect motherfuckers. Yeah. These are my neighbors. This is my city. I'm yeah. going to go. I love these people. You know, I'm totally. not angry. I'm angry. They almost killed me. But like, whatever. It wasn't intentional, I hope. Sure. So then. I march gaily with my fucking aged chihuahua, a cute outfit. Truman, march, we love. I march my gay ass down to the fucking Italian pizza place. Mm-hmm. Strutting. Strutting, looking hot. 
the guy takes me up the i'm like i have a personal thing that i need to speak to the general manager about um privately would you let him know that my name is jonathan and i'm here and the girl like looks at me very seriously and she's like of course and then she goes away comes back brings this well-dressed very sweet italian man who takes me up through this like wooden staircase to this like secret office in the back of this institutional it's kind of sexy Oh man, it's very sexy. I thought we were gonna fuck. We did it. Um, <laughs> Damn it! But he had a cross, a gold cross around his hairy chest with oh his unbuttoned God. shirt. I'm it into was it. A fucking, it was literally a movie moment. So anyway, I tell him my plight, and he's like, "Of course, sir. I'm gonna refund you right now. I'm so sorry that that happened to you. Thank you for telling me. We're gonna disinfect everything. I love you. God bless." And he hugged me. That was my first interaction. Amazing. Which is. Which is the human interaction that I wanted to have, um, mind you, because I'm just a, you know, I'm just a spiritual being having a human experience. And I'm totally. just trying to in the material other, world. Yeah. And around I'm just trying to keep yeah. And I'm just trying to keep others from experiencing that fucking shitty, chaotic literally shitty. That I just did. Yeah. So I'm just doing the right thing. And he sees that he sees the beauty in that and he recognizes it. And so we had a moment around that, right? Totally. And he's called beautiful. Me, yeah, he's had called me twice with follow-up questions, which I've answered graciously. Oh my God, and what a lovely gentleman. Me. Oh my God, yeah. adore. So then, you know, being my faggot ass, I walked down to Chinatown because I'm, that's the other dim sum spot that it's on the list. And I walk in, same thing. I ask to speak to a manager and the person, which I just want to tell you the difference between being a white guy and walking into a pizza place and asking to speak to the manager is for the person who's getting the question asked is a totally different thing than someone sure. else, a non-white yeah. person getting asked that. And I'm huge and I'm crazy and I have my chihuahua. Like I get it. I'm a fucking, I, I wouldn't want someone, I would not want to be on the receiving end of that. Right. Um, so I walk in, I ask the same question and the person says, there is no manager. And I said, I'm sorry, but that is like simply impossible. Like there has to be like, <laughs> like, hello, what? I, I'm not even trying to be an asshole here. I just right. like, I just want to talk to, I, I, I don't know. Whoever's waiter. in charge. Yeah. 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 I don't know. The person who pulls the strings here, bud, like, yeah. I don't know who that is. I don't know if it's you. I, I just need to have a private conversation with that person. He said, there's no, there's, this is not, that's not happening. Wow. And I was like, wait, let's be reasonable here. Like, I just. I really want to be reasonable. I just, please. I was like, this is serious and it's, it's urgent. It needs to be addressed now. And please, please help me. And then he's like, no. And then he runs <gasps> away from me and then starts no. running around this restaurant. And then I'm like following them. I'm trying to put this fucking pressure on this guy. Cause I want people not to get sick. Right. Yeah. I have a passion project here. Right. Then he says, I have a gun. No. Ah, ah, no. Ah, yes. And so then I run and then I run to you and I call you and FaceTime you. And that's it. This is the and this is where the story actually filters into real time. And so I'm processing that chaos and it's perfect because it's so chaotic. But I and I took a picture of the person on my way out just to be like, I don't want to press charges or anything. I just feel bad for that guy. Like, I just feel bad that they're that's, in a place. What? Yes. That's insane. I mean, but that's, also that's that I just shat like, blood what? for five days. I survived a pandemic and fucking typhoid to ship blood for five days to welcome my beloved nephew to almost die again. Ah, uh, no. Because of something I love doing, which is putting things in my mouth also, and my like, butt. But this was almost my death by mouth, not butt, which like, I've also like, had weird situations with the butt, but we'll talk about that later. 
How did it escalate so quickly? You're like, hi, I'd like to speak to your manager. And this guy's like, I think it's well, just the energy, gun, so. the energy that I move with in the world as an artist and just as a being is pretty intense, which I acknowledge. And I try to like keep it appropriate levels, but sometimes I can't control how it's received. Do you know what I mean? Totally. So sometimes wow. either people recoil in fear or they like hide their children's gaze from me or they like, you know, <laughs> pray. They pull out sometimes rosaries have been pulled. Well, I was going to say. Mm-hmm. But never a gun in Chinatown by or, you know, and then I did some research. And apparently this has happened before, you know, what? in 1973. Well, the mob thing, I sent you a link. Oh, you did. Oh, the, I. Th- OK, yeah. But the dragon gate massacre those were like Ah! gangs shooting each other that's a little bit now i'm just prepared for like a fucking camera crew to descend on me at any moment be like just kidding we've been filming this for like like, honestly you would love it and i would love it it would be an amazing moment um and maybe we our listeners would love it oh i also (laughs) that that leads me to thank you listeners for being chill and so loving and so supportive and i'm doing much better as you can tell and you just heard the whole story but um thank you so much but i literally went to the emergency room on the day that we were supposed to record so yes it was it wasn't working out but thank you yes thank you everyone for just like being patient and giving us a week off while Jonathan recovered. But fucking what the fuck? It ends with you having a gun pointed at you. <laughs> what the fuck? That's- yeah, I'm going to have very passionate sex about this later. And Oh my God, I, <laughs> I approve this message. But this is the thing. And like, I'm going to talk about this in chaos, but this is the thing. And this is the thing that I'm only realizing and having more compassion for people around, right? Mm-hmm. Is that everyone is experiencing this chaotic reality that we're living in constantly and how you react to that reality how you react to that chaos is everything that's oh the magic that's where the fucking magic happens you either make art out of that or you make money out of that or you have sex out of that or you go crazy out of that or like yeah you, or you to... make more fucked up chaos it's really up to you yeah you perpetuate the chaos but yeah. like you know in alchemy like anything you mm-hmm. can turn it into something else if you have the fucking tools you know for, for example the violet fire that's what my witch teaches me about is <gasps> the violet fire the you... hot violent fire the seductive violent fire not violent violet like purple oh violet violet fire yeah okay so you i was put... working with violence but okay <laughs> You can put violence in the violet fire, but it's just you visualize a violet fire and you put all the bullshit into the fire. Like, oh my god, girl! And you can even put a person in the fire. Like, you could put this ah, dude with the we gun need to build the in the fire. fire. Remy, can you teleport over here now, please? Uh, you, I already did. I'm right next to you. You know, all the time. Okay, great, great. So you just put anything in the violet fire, and then what comes out of it? Like, you can envision like the ash that comes out is made of gold, and the gold is like raining down on you, gold, and it's just like, oh, this thing that I put in the fire now it's not just that I disappear it it's that it it's like this fire turns it alchemizes it into this rich abundant fertile yet cleansing that actually brings more goodness and yumminess into your life of course a witchy woman has a beautiful concept that I'm now just discovering and don't have words for and I'm like I am brilliant I'm ideologically brilliant (laughs) and then you're like just kidding. That actually exists in my magic. And I've been doing this for a long time. And here's the witches, what it's honey. The witches. And then I'm like, oh, okay. I'm just a silly faggot prancing from the woods, you know? And you're, you're a, a witch. witch too. You're a witch too. Yeah. I mean, I'm a witch. I'm like an aspiring witch, I guess. But I don't actually, um, I don't, you know, I wouldn't give myself that title. Just like I don't love calling myself an artist, you know? Like, 
Oh, it, but you can like claim a, that with the shit an, that the jeans that you made the other day. Are you fucking kidding me? But I'll give honor to the actual witches out there. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, there's some actual. Fair enough. There's some like real witches some shit yeah. that I'm not doing. Like, I I pull out my tarot deck once in a while and I like put a you know I do a little thing here and there, but I put people's pictures in the freezer and shit. But I don't I don't go cray cray on the okay. witch witch. Fair you know? enough. But I, yeah. That's fair. So I'm a, I'll be I'll, I'll be an apprentice witch. Well, speaking of which, should we? Should we go for it? Should we talk about this? Speaking chaos? of which, yes, yes, <laughs> chaos. Okay, okay. I'm gonna start. So, for my for my trauma light, my like itsy bitsy teeny weeny trauma bikini, the tiny, <laughs> itsy bitsy spider of your trauma. My hot girl summer trauma. Um, so like chaos is another one of those topics. It's kind of hard to be funny about, but I was writing no, unless someone's chasing you with a gun, which is kind of funny. But I was writing. I wish, there was, I wish it was filmed. <laughs> yeah, I really do too. But I was writing notes about this theme the other day, and I remembered this one time. So, part of the chaos in my house growing up eventually became, as my sister and I got older, that my sister and my mom fought a ton. And there was this one time I was probably fourteen or so, and my sister was sixteen. And I, okay, well, so oh, back, it, and that's a pivotal moment. Oh my god, it's the worst fucking time. But so some backstory here, I was in what was called a mainstream school. So there were deaf kids mainstreamed into public schools, which meant that there was always an interpreter at the front of the classroom next to our teachers. You know, I'm partially deaf, right? What? Well, yeah, I'm deaf in my left ear. Completely? Uh, Like a high, like 88% or something. No, I did not know that. Because of my TBI. Yeah. But I'm not, I like don't identify as a deaf person, but okay, go ahead. Because I wasn't born deaf. Oh, I had no idea. And I've never congenital deafness is a totally different thing. And I, I'm, I can't claim that either. Not witchcraft, not deafness. (laughs) I'm not a deaf witch. Okay. Remy, stop pressuring me. (laughs) Okay. So. But we respect the deaf witches, by the way. Yeah. By the way, we love deaf witches. I will buy any deaf witch listening to this. Who sends me an email, a fucking ring, a beautiful Mm -hmm. ring. Oh my God. Promise. Well, yes. I have 10% hearing loss in one year and I sort of do identify as a witch. So do I count? Yeah. I'm sending you a fucking dress. I handed. I know. I know. I'm I'll, so I'll throw in a fucking ring too. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Don't yeah. be greedy, bitch. Okay. <laughs> okay. So anyway, I would watch and watch and watch these interpreters. And after about a year, I was getting pretty good at sign language and I was hanging out with deaf kids. My first boyfriend was deaf. James, wherever you are, James, you were a fucking keeper. Anyway. Oh my God. I did not know this. And I love this. Yeah, 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 yeah. So oh man, I love this story, Remy. Well, just wait. So anyway, I I was obsessed with like trying to get really good at sign language and I would practice a lot at home and I would like sit in front of the TV and just try to interpret everything that was on the news or like on a show. And one day, my mom and my sister, as they were wont to do, got into a huge screaming fight. And I, in my infinite emotional intelligence at 14. 15, whatever age I was, was like, fuck yeah, this is a fabulous opportunity for me to practice sign language. So they're standing. I remember it so clearly. They're standing in my mom's room. Well, which was also my room because my I would mom died for footage of this. I would literally, <laughs> literally, I was thinking that as I was writing about this, I was like, shit, what Jeez, is- I want to, I want to see this on stage. I want to see this on in theater in the round, okay. in like a 3d apartment, but well, okay, let, go ahead. Let me paint this picture for you. Let's so- write that story, Remy. Okay. But first let me all like, I would like to take a moment to say that my room was 
also my mom's room because I fucking shared a room with my mom for a while because we had no money and my room got rented out to some dude who literally looked like he worked in a mine. Like I have no idea what he actually did, but in my head, he like extracted coal from a cave. What? I didn't know that either. Remy. Oh my God. I love you so much. (laughs) So anyway, they're, they're in our room. Okay. They're standing there screaming in each other, like screaming in each other's faces. Where's the coal miner? He's in his room being like, what the fuck have I got Probably jacking off to weird porn. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He was young. Anyway, I'm so into this. Was he hot? I bet you would have thought so. I was like 14, but he was like, you know, he was like tall and like find an image, send it over and I'll I'll get back to you. Yeah. You let me know. Okay. I have my assistant. No. Yeah. So I'm standing like a foot away from the two of them, which is like, you know, give these bitches some room run. But no, I'm like 12 inches is cool. This is fine. And they're furiously going back and forth. And I'm signing every word. My fingers are flying. And it's like I'm a fucking Mexican sportscaster for a soccer oh, game. My I God. am so into it. A play by play. I'm following every word, every movement. I'm like mimicking each of their angry faces. So my imaginary deaf audience like really understands the vibe. Wow. Wow. <laughs> like I'm just out there honing my craft, baby, turning lemons and a motherfucking lemonade for the deaf like what limonada if you're nasty (laughs) so (laughs) annoying i can't remember which one of them finally told me to fuck all the way off but i feel like i didn't i like walked over to the other side of the room just kept interpreting their fight but just like not in their faces like an asshole yes yes of course and you're probably wearing some like amazing jumper i'm sure i had some like stone wash like acid wash jeans jumper oh yeah. please please make it like a denim romper okay just for um, the story yeah but like uh a, also like a dress it's like a one of those overall dresses okay know? great okay, okay okay yes okay so but for my trauma rama around chaos my actual trauma rama it's it's pretty great that we're doing this topic this week because my therapist oh wait did i tell you that i got a new therapist natalie yeah you didn't tell me their name but you did tell me um you that mentioned was- that you had uh brought another person onto your care team Okay. Yeah. So now I have two therapists, but Natalie is like my, um, sort of by the book therapist. I fucking love her. She's amazing. She's this old, older Latina woman. And I mean, I, well, okay. So I, I think she's Latina. We haven't talked about it, but she has, she looks like she is and she's (sighs) older and she has all these tattoos and wears gold (sighs) chains and she's (gasps) fucking vapes during our session. I mean, I fucking love her already. Does she take vegan health? Oh wait, you're in Arizona. Fuck. I know. Right. Yeah. I want everyone to work with Natalie. She's so good. Like she can see all the things I can't see. And she helped me. I love her. Bruja. She's a bruja. She's a fucking bruja. Yeah. And she helped me have (laughs) a huge breakthrough this week. She's a bruja. What? (laughs) That I will get uh, this breakthrough around chaos. So I'll get into that a little later. But yeah. Please do. Please do. So chaos has been a huge part of my story. My childhood was super emotionally chaotic. We never knew what shoe was about to drop with either of my parents. And actually, when I think about the stories I've told on this podcast, most of them are about chaos in one way or another, especially my childhood stories. And that's because my mom could go and still kind of can actually, although it's definitely proved a ton since I was little, but she could go from being completely fine to raging and screaming and being terrifying over something very small to sobbing and begging us for forgiveness to being completely neutral and fine again, all in the course of like an hour. And a pretty good example of that is what I like to call the great knife meltdown. So one time when I was probably like 10 or so, 
my mom realized that a knife was missing, like a cutting mm. knife. And mm. she completely lost her shit. She just started raging. And this rage was uncontrollable as it oh. always was. Mm. And this particular incident did not involve her driving, but a lot of these instances were triggered just before or while she was driving with us. And the way she would drive and scream and swerve. Oh my God. But SoCal is fucking crazy. That would make me fucking crazy. Yeah. True. I grew up on the 405, honey, and I was not, I almost lost it a few times as like a six-year-old, you know? True. Granted. But I will say that like, when I started hanging out. Sorry, I'm not justifying any harm that was caused to you by that, but I, I was- LA traffic sucks. <laughs> it is insane. And I, I won't deny that, but like, I remember the first time, like when I started hanging out with the Mormos and I was driving my, my friend's mom was driving us to Mormon dance practice. And yeah. I was like, this the is more weird. mom, the more mom was. <laughs> taking, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I was like, Oh my God, this is what it's like in the car. Like you guys are, you just like, you just stop at the red lights and you don't and then you just like, are, like i could see how appealing that was to you as a child remy. oh my child, god it was so calming and childhood like, high childhood remy and high, i like i i see that part of you i see that i have compassion yeah. for that you. this is why yeah. i still like cannot watch enough bob ross <laughs> bob ross all day i'm like oh my god soothe me anyway i definitely thought my life was in danger multiple times in the car but it, and it's honestly a miracle that there was never an accident but right. okay so but if it, you're uh, honestly speaking like i actually kind of advocate for that because if you're not kind of terrified of dying in a car at all times and like really hyper vigilant then you shouldn't be driving a car <laughs> no, yeah I'm like serious. get it together like, like yeah well no people don't give enough dangerous. fucks in a car i'm like bitch totally. you're fucking zooming down the free or not bitch so, i sorry i keep saying that um it's a term of endearment i just want to get that out there to listeners i'm not like yeah, calling yeah. her a bitch no we get it we know it's like sister but i'm not a sister so i'm saying you yeah you can be you i could call be. you being or something i don't know <laughs> human Light being yeah human human okay so anyway the great knife meltdown so a knife has gone missing where is the knife no one knows and as a result my mom is irate so she's screaming slamming cupboards telling us she's going to send us to live with our father and when it's nearly over she threatens us with this vague like you better find that knife or else well you know neither my sister nor i had used the knife had remembered I using wonder the what knife. her knife trauma was that like led to her oh i could we could do we could create an entire podcast about my mom's trauma but anyway her knife 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 trauma specifically well, no, I, anything could set my mom off. Anything. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. Okay. So, well, this is part of, this is the thing. It's all about the chaos. So we didn't have any idea where the knife was. And this just felt like this incredibly daunting task. Like I felt helpless. I was scared. I was powerless. And it was sort of this impossible situation where I haven't done anything wrong, but that's not the point, right? Like when you live in chaos, not doing anything wrong doesn't mean you're safe. You could right. absolutely do everything right and end up in a pile of shit anyway. And by the way, because it took so long to learn that in my life, trying to do everything right to avoid pain was how a lot of my trauma response manifested through this kind of like maniacal perfectionism, you know, mm. like I was like on, I was like captain of the dance team and senior class president and like all honors classes, like all of that stuff was part of this trauma response of trying to like control the chaos around me. And figure, trying to figure out a way to do everything perfectly to try to stay safe. But again, it doesn't work. And that's the crazy making of chaos. There's no logic. So there right. are no steps or rules right. to keeping yourself out of danger. So, right, exactly. 
also my mom goes upstairs and leaves us with what feels like this impossible task because I had already, while she was raging, double, triple checked all the drawers, the dishwasher, the cupboards, the knife was nowhere. So I'm beside myself. I'm looking absolutely everywhere. And after like 10 minutes of looking on my own, I just fall to a puddle on the kitchen floor and I'm just sobbing. And when I do from that vantage point, I can see that the knife had fallen between the counter and the refrigerator and it was on the floor between them. So no. Oh my God. So now I'm fucking elated because now this huge issue that had just sent my mom, who is my source of safety and security into a tirade has been resolved. So I wipe my tears. I grab the knife and I run upstairs to show my mom, like ready to rescue her from her distress. And when I go into her room and I'm, there's just like tears streaming down my face. Still, I run into her room. Of course. And she's on the phone laughing with her friend. And which is already a little confusing. Cause I'm like, what? And when I show her the knife, she just like, doesn't care about it at all. She's like, okay. What? And keeps talking on the phone and laughing about whatever they were just talking. Oh my about. God. I totally remember this trauma as a child. Like yes. when your parent, when your mom would be giving like face to somebody else, but like silently harming you or like, you know what I mean? Like the right. secret messages between mother yes. and child where it's like, that's an act of violence, but you only know that if you're in the relationship as right. a child. Totally. Right. There's right, this whole it's facade such an thing. Fucking and moms are so good at it. Right. They're so good at the subtle hatred. But, and you can see it seething. And that, and that also is why I'm a feminist, a deep fucking feminist. Because I'm like, I, the complexity of that relationship that mother has with child is, I don't know it. I will never know that. Like, that's not my business. It, it is my business, but it's not it's something that will escape my ability to have ever as a man, you know? Yeah. Well, Yeah. And I think also kind of to your point, especially that generation that, you know, they were born in the fifties. Right. I mean, totally like the, yeah, the nuclear family was like built around this idea of mother, dad, mom, dad. Well, and also about secrets and like how no one can know. No one. That's why there wasn't there. That's why gays didn't come out. It wasn't because it was like the culture. It was like, I mean, also because it was illegal and you could get fucking attacked for it, but it was just culturally that's not something you spoke about. So actually, in a in a way, some argue that like homosexuality before that time in America was freer and better because mm, people were having these like discrete sex sessions. Yeah, the fucking roaring twenties. They were like, and this is why Foucault talks about Foucault is like a an intellectual like yes yes uh, I mean, yeah yeah anyway um he's a philo- he's giant, like a philosopher yeah yeah but like giant especially among queers but like you yes. know analyzing historical things like the patriarchy and the church and shit. So like, if you are interested in that, you should read Foucault for sure, but, or listen to, because you can see them. Um, Foucault talks about how visibility is a trap. And this is what they're talking about because they're saying it's like trapping you as soon as you're visible, as soon as you're out, as soon as you're seen, you're, you're in danger. Mm. Whereas like discretion is a protection, you know, discretion is something like if something's more discreet, you know, if there's something nuanced or complex about something and it's more discreet and it's not as visible, Foucault would argue that that's like more beautiful mm. or better for the world. So anyway, mm. just 
bringing so, that in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's about vulnerability, yeah. right? Like if you're right, exactly. The, or engagement with your own vulnerability that you might actually like a dick in your butt or you might like your pussy like by a woman, you know, right, totally. like God forbid that you experience something new that you, because I, even me as a bisexual or like as a queer person, I have been attracted to so many women, but not every woman or like even Pornhub. Like I don't watch straight porn or whatever, but like I do have sex with women, you know, but not mm-hmm. in very certain nuanced ways like that. I find them sexy for very nuanced reasons and it's not their body and it's not what's between their legs, but it's the relationship that's just between us. You know what I mean? It's and, it's our fucking, and it's our business and it's the time and it's the setting, but this is what Foucault is talking about. He's talking about the nuance there. That's like the more beautiful thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Yeah, totally. So, um, okay. So the knife meltdown. So, okay. So yeah. So it was like, this whole meltdown that she just had 10 minutes before had never happened. Right. So it's just like, um, this like disappearing of my experience, right. Disappearing of, and and this chaos, it doesn't make any sense. The loss of your visibility. And this kind of thing was the norm in my house. Like I remember when I was 19, this is another good example. I was home from college for the summer and I had been out partying and had gotten sick from being up late and drinking for like three days in a row Mm. and whatever. Yeah. I was fucking 19. That's what you do. Right. I love that. Yeah. And the guy in the hangover of a 19 year old non-existent. Yeah. You could chug a handle of 99 bananas and then wake up at 6am and like go to (laughs) soccer practice and be like, Oh my God, I feel great. Yeah. Wake up at 9am barf and then go to soccer practice. Yeah. So anyway, you almost die at soccer practice. Like, but you, you go, you do it and you have like your best practice ever. And and your coach is like, wow. Amazing. I used to love getting stoned and going and participating in school things. Oh, that was the best. Because the discretion again, right? Like it was like something I had done that was naughty that they didn't necessarily know about mm, or could hiding. tell. Yeah, and I was like, taboo. It was, yeah, I, I, of course you were high or whatever. But the, the thing that I liked about it, the reason I like getting high and going to work or school is because it's, if you do it right, it can be a secret. Like if you do it right, if you get fucked up and go to work, it's obviously a terrible thing to do. I'm not advocating for that. But I'm saying the thing that I like about it that's appealing to me isn't necessarily being high as much as that it's a discretion. It's like a little secret between myself and myself that Mm. only I'm invited to. And if you can hide it, it's hot and cool for me. Mm, But that's the thing about addiction is that addiction makes it impossible to hide, you know? Mm, Right, totally. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so anyway, so I was sick, you know, and and, uh, the guy I was seeing at the time, he called me and he was like, I know the best place for soup and it'll make you (laughs) way better. He was Peruvian. And he knew this like bomb divey AF Peruvian restaurant in North Hollywood that had the spicy seafood soup. It was off the hook. Anyway, he was like, I'll pick you up and we can get you soup so you can feel better. And my mom was absolutely fucking outraged when I told her I was going to get soup because she didn't feel like I should be going out at all. But I was like, well, I'm an adult. I'm 19. I'm going out for soup because I'm sick. And then I'm coming home. And she was like, Mm. okay, but you are coming straight home. And I was like, yeah, I am. That's literally the plan because I don't feel good. So after soup, this dude I was dating was like, do you want to go to blockbusters and get a movie so we can just chill today? Because this was the year 2000 and life was hard. You like actually had to rent movies. Oh my God. Denim was really in fashion, but not in a fun way. (laughs) Um, Yeah. The, the Canadian tuxedo was like happening. Yeah. Not a good one. I do that all the time now, but I do it with like a fucking, I look in a mirror first. Like these people look, (laughs) they were like that Britney, Justin, Canadian yeah, tuxedo I, I situation. Because it it's like futuristic, you know, they're like hoping for this crazy world that didn't come, you know. He, like, and then, 
in had retrospect, a patched looked, hat or something insane. It was oh my god, hat. It's so good. It was and that like ramen hair. Oh my! Oh my uh, god! It was ramen hair. Oh my god! Yeah, it was exactly oh that. Oh my god. Okay. So anyway, while we're there at Blockbuster, my mom calls and I'm and I tell her, "Yeah, we're at Blockbuster, just getting a movie to watch for when I get home." Right? Because you're a kid. Blockbuster's the place. Yeah, totally. And she just fucking starts screaming and tells me I'm in so much trouble and I better oh get god. home right this fucking instant. Oh so my god! Back to the house and my mom is out of control, raging, and she fucking kicks me out of the house. What? Yeah, she's like, take your shit and get out while I'm sick. Uh, so, and not, and not only that, I pack a bag and leave because I'm like, fine, bye. I'm going to go. How old are you? 19. Oh, this, right. Okay. But this is why it's just so weird because it's like, what? Mm-hmm. I'm I'm a 19 year old. You're right, me right. the house because I went out for soup and then went to get right. a movie at Blockbuster. So, anyway, then an hour later, I get a call from my sister telling me that my mom rounded up all my clothes, pulled all my clothes out of the drawer, everything that I didn't take. What? And then put it all in a pile in my sister's room and what? told her she could have anything of mine that she wanted. Well, so my sister was like, I'm just going to put it all in a bag and bring it, bring it. To oh you. man, so, that's such a good sister. My yeah. fucking siblings would have snatched some good <laughs> shit out. Bro. My sister was like, what the fuck mom? But yeah, that gives an idea of what it was like. Just always chaos, never knowing what was around the corner, never knowing when another shoe was going to drop and mm. just like in that example the messages were so mixed because but that's the that's kind of like the function of chaos sometimes when and the addiction to chaos like you were talking to the people who suffer from that addiction that's the reaction mm. you know yeah, yeah. that's well, the people around them that they love they push away because the thing that they're doing that is the anger right the, the, the thing that they're doing the rage that they're doing is a performance to show you how afraid they are and how you should be like helping them like get away from the thing that they're afraid of. But the thing that they're afraid of is just perpetuating the the rage, right? Yeah, it, like, right. And, it doesn't, away, so and the rage doesn't, it's, it's not cycle, in proportion to- But it's a vagal nerve cycle. It's like your nervous system gets stuck in that cycle. And then right. it's just around, it just keeps replaying it keeps itself around. over and yeah. over. And, and that's why systems of like, a, like, like systems of family dysfunction, like yours, they're systemic there. And when I say systemic, I mean, it's like woven throughout all of you, like electric, right. Mm. It's like the current that flows through well, your body. Right. It's so that's, not- that's kind of what I'm going to talk about because right. this goes back to the huge breakthrough I had with Natalie this week. So, but what I was going to say was that these messages are mixed, right? Because it's like, my mom saying, I don't want you to go out because you're sick, which implies care. But then she kicks me out of the house while I'm right. sick. And it's a mixed um, message. Yeah. And you. then, and yeah. then tries to give my clothes away. So like love ends up being very confusing in this kind so of chaotic confusing. environment. So in terms of healing this, and this is like what I kind of, what I want to preface my healing, my m- more immediate healing journey with the understanding that this is the meat and bones of how you create anxious attachment style stories like mm-hmm. these are literally how anxious attachment style is created is through chaos, not because someone is consistently abusive or neglectful, but right. because they're sometimes loving and sometimes abusive right. and sometimes right. neglectful right. and it's love, a mixed messaging. Right. And it becomes very confusing. Like to and it understand. becomes hard to trust people and you're suspicious of everybody as a right, result. Because right. this person who's supposed to be your um, source of consistency and security and love is like right. all over the place. Right. But one thing this chaos also does is draw out a hunger in you to love and be loved. And then mm. it knocks it down and then it draws Ugh. it out and you're like, Oh, Ugh. this time I'm safe. And then it knocks it down again. Ugh. And as adults, we subconsciously look for 
look for that in our partners. And so I'm going to share a little bit about that because I had this fucking mind blowing session with Natalie last week Uh, where she told me, thanks, Natalie. She was like, thanks for helping my friend. She was like, you're not attracted to emotionally unavailable guys. Mm. You're attracted to erratically available guys. Ooh, I love, I love that huge shift. She was like one minute, they're literally begging you to be with them. And the next, Uh, they can't be bothered to call you back. Right. This was such a wild change, like in, in wild perspective shift for me to look at. Cause I never thought of that before, but 100, that is my pattern. Those are the dudes I get hooked on the ones who push and pull just like my parents pushed and pulled. Mm. So one thing Natalie told me this week was that if we're not intentionally making a choice that's different from what we grew up with, we will all seek out partners who mirror our parents' behaviors towards us as children. And that means that every guy I seek out who does the push pull with me, he's also trying to replicate his relationship with his parents. So if that guy is pushing me away, once he feels like I'm invested in him, it's because that's what he knows. He was abandoned by his parents in some way. So what he knew knows and what he's attracted to is women who aren't interested because he grew up with rejection and abandonment. And he's subconsciously trying to replicate that. Oh my gosh. Yes. And so as soon as I'm genuinely interested, he loses his boner because that's outside of what he knows. Meanwhile, I am interested in two things. One is the push pull because that's what I know. And two, I'm interested in saving them. And that's mm. a huge turn on for me. Like I mm. told, right. Savior, savior yeah, complex. Right. Yeah. So like I told, I was talking to my room the other day, but also like people pleasing. That's the thing that I'm trying to learn right now is that people pleasing does the exact opposite thing that you want it to do. Oh, but see, this isn't about people pleasing. This no, no, is for about, me it is. I was talking about my experience. Oh, saying, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yes. For me, oh, it's oh, about yeah. people because like, I'm a people pleaser. And then like, but it's had the opposite effect of what its intended effect is. Right. And that's mm-hmm. uh, like sometimes in al- alchemy, when you're making alchemy, sometimes you get the the, the powders mixed up, you know, <laughs> and then you try to learn and fix it. You're but like, I'm, oh, I, my powders magic are potion. Yeah. I'm, and my, my uh, powders are not fixed in that area right now. So okay. I'm, I'm just We're, saying uh, likes these likes here, honey. Yeah. We're figuring out the chemistry right now is what we're doing. So, okay. So my roommate and I, we were talking about this the other day and I was talking about some dude and I was like, I just want to get to the root of the pain in him, the wound, and just like, fuck it completely out of him. I want to dad or his mom. (laughs) I want to save him from his pain with my love and sexuality and womanhood. Well, you know, who is a recurring theme for you. Well, well, this is what I was getting to this week is like, you know, mm. who else I wanted to rescue from the gaping wound of their childhoods was my mom and my dad. And right. Like, exactly. Every time. My, yeah. Every time my mom would rage and then cry and ask us for forgiveness and say like, oh, I'm such a bad mother. I would say, don't cry, mom. It's okay. I love you. You're such a good mom. And I would like swoop in with like reassurance and I would hug her and comfort her. I'm literally like five years old. And it was my job to make sure that she knew she was safe and loved, even though she just ruined my fucking day by screaming at me over like, whatever the fuck, never anything that was important. But of course, as a child, you don't have a boundary around that. You're just right. You don't know anything. You're you're just trying to, yeah. You're just trying to get your source of security to actually be, you're looking to them. Right. And you're looking to them to model the behavior that will make you safe in the world. Right. Exactly. So Natalie essentially explained to me, she was like, you want to do the exact same dance that you did with your parents as a child. 
but now you're transferring it to romantic partners. So you want to find wounded push pull dudes, get in the dance with them, but then you want to change the steps in the middle of the dance to this new dance that you've come up with. That isn't about your relationship with this guy at all. It's about your wound with your parents. You want to change this dance to, okay, we started out hard and it was painful and scary, but now I'm going to save you from your wound. Just like I tried and failed to save my mom from hers and my dad from his. And then you fall in love with me and validate my worth. Just like I always wanted, but never succeeded in getting my dad to do. And I save Mm -hmm. you from your pain childhood with how hot and loving and feminine I am. And now my wound is fixed. And so is yours, which now I totally get what she meant when we first started working together. And she told me point blank. She was like, I don't think that when you're dating, you're actually trying to get into a successful relationship. Mm. What you're actually trying to do is resolve trauma. Right. And I'm realizing now that with my anxious attachment style, I've been entering into these situations with guys unconsciously trying to repeat the story I know, but change Mm. the plot in the middle so that the ending is about me getting the love and validation I didn't get as a child. Or, or, oh, sorry. Well, so in other words, I came from chaos and I've been recreating chaos in my romantic experiences with men in an attempt to heal the wound created by the chaos. Mm. So how do we actually heal this? I'm still in this process right now. So I don't have all the answers, but there are a few things that are working for me currently. I don't know how many people listen to our episode with just the fixation episode, but she walked us through some of some of her, like, of course, meditations. And that has been so healing for me lately. I'm, I'm still working mm. with just one-on-one and she and I've created two different meditations for me to listen to where I'm doing all my own validating. Like I'm validating my own pain, my mm. own fear, my own fixation, mm. my own worth and lovability mm. with those of course statements. Um, mm. And if you haven't listened to that, Epi, highly recommend if for nothing else than to hear how those statement works and why they work. How is it going for you though? How is the effect? Oh my God. It's like, I feel this, like it, because what happens for a person who it's like, there's a constant self-criticism around. I'm so fucked up. Mm. I'm so fucked up because I keep, I keep right. wanting to talk to this guy who doesn't like me. I'm and you're so- looking for evidence in the world to reflect that as the reality It's confirmation bias. You're looking to, you're mm. like, look how fucked up I am. Like, that's right. how I think of my behavior, you know, mm. afterward, like after I cause a scene or I do something stupid, like fall in love with someone I'm trying to fix or something. Mm. I always look back and I'm like, of course you did that, Jonathan. And we know this pattern, right? Like talk about it. But like, I tweak it just a little bit to like hide it for myself to avoid mm. self-shame. Mm. And then it's like, yeah, anyway. Yeah. So that's yeah. Right. So these of course statements are very calming because it's like, of course, of course I'm attracted to erratically available men. Of course, mm. of course I, I really, um, of course I get excited about the breadcrumbs that he drops mm. for me. Of course mm. I want to call him back. Of course. Right. So instead of shaming love myself, that. Yeah, it's love about that. like validating, like, okay, yeah, of course. Like, of course, everything feels scary. Of course, love feels scary. It's like, yeah. yeah, I'm not broken. It's just like, of course, this stuff is happening. And then the other meditation we did was me visualizing me delivering myself at birth, like catching me coming out of my right. mom's yeah. vagina and yeah, like yeah. taking Stanislav, me away. Stanislav Goff had, um, like back to birth, like re like, mm. um, but it's all breath work. It's breath work mm. that gets you there. And people experience this like at a yeah. statistical, like it's incredible. People yeah. go back 
and like undo the trauma. It's insane. Oh my God. It's a fucking wild experience. The so feeling- you can get there by breath work. We should do yeah. a breath workshop. Breath work is amazing. Yeah. And, Stan- and Stanislav Groff and his wife are amazing and people should look at them. I went to CIS, so I know who he is, but you can um, Google it, CIS and breath workshops. They have them um, if you're interested in that kind of stuff. So. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. It's, it's like been, that meditation was like fucking wild for me and, um, just overwhelming the way, the way that I felt afterwards. But the other thing is Natalie was like, when you're ready to date again, we're going to practice you dating men who you're not initially attracted to because you're wired right now for a specific kind of guy who does this push pull with you Mm. out of, out of this wound that he's not willing to work on. Like that's the guy, that's the pattern. And those guys are not your future because they're not going to change. So doing these meditations, looking at my patterns and behaviors, honestly, and taking inspired action in a different direction is how I'm creating shifts around my chaos wound right now. Uh, that's amazing. Oh, good for you, Remy. Thank you. Thank you both. Thank you, Jessica. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what do you got? What you got? I mean, I feel like I already hugged the, sh- hugged the show a little bit, but Remy, I'm just so proud of you. And like, I'm so Thank proud you. of this work that you're doing. And I love that. I love that you love yourself enough to be doing all of this. And that gives me hope for humanity because mm-hmm. I look at you, this wondrous creature who is looking to love themselves and like live in this life. And if everyone was doing that work of the world that we live in would, could be so good, you know, like, and that's the thing that gets me going. Like, that's it. Like, and thank you for doing that work and thank you for being beautiful and reflecting like the possibility of what we could be, you know? Thank you. Thanks for saying that. You're like a miracle that has come to life. You're like a personified (laughs) No, I'm serious. Like the prayers of our ancestors and like star language, mm. you know, as like a as a body. And so Thank am you. I. I mean, like we all are. Yeah. So you're sacredness. A glowing, glowing being, glowing yeah. angel being. And we have a birthday angel being with us. Today. And Jessica so, is our birthday angel. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think that like when we're talking about that, I love that. So thank you. Um I yeah, I was like clicking around and chaos is everywhere for me and I think that's like a shared experience so like I think that like doing this work that we're doing right now is so like everyone let's be talking about chaos more because it's like everyone's reacting to it and it's a part of the reality in which we live and it's in you it's inescapable right so you have to address it you have to engage with it and you have to respond to it and the way that you're responding to it is that makes all the fucking difference you know in the world so um, but I was looking at childhood chaos, um, my own internal childhood chaos, because I feel like I was raised um, by someone who had some sociopathic narcissistic tendencies mm-hmm. and they would like use chaos as a smoke screen to like obfuscate the deception and trickery of like what they were actually doing and like gaslighting us as obviously, but like, but chaos is so deeply triggering and wounding for me and it, uh, sometimes it, like you're saying and I'm hearing from you Remy it's like it feels normal it feels natural it feels comfortable right. and I recreate it because it's what I learned that love felt like or was supposed to feel like um yeah so more importantly I mean my my own experience on this is so yeah I, I hogged the show earlier with that story so um chaos theory though is an interdisciplinary theory that like states have you heard about it Remy no I actually okay. have not So it's an interdisciplinary theory that states that within the apparent randomness of chaotic, complex systems, of course, which we live in, there are underlying patterns. So it's just Mm. this assertion that like the shit that you're living through, the 
you're experiencing as chaos isn't just happening randomly, you know, which we're told that like by science and by the world, it's just at random, but rather con like chaos theory is saying that there's a further, more complex system pulling the gears, if you will, that we can't see or understand, which right. I love chaos theory because it makes room for the miracle, right? right? It makes room for the wonder. Like, we don't know. That is such a wonderful statement to say, because it means that the thing that we can't even conceive of this thing, you know, and I try to remind my mom of that. It's like, <laughs> when you're talking about God or Jesus, like you have a fucking number and you know exactly what they would say on the other line. It's like, I try to remind them. I try to remind everyone of this. It's like, the miracle is in the not knowing. Mm. That is the miracle of chaos yes, theory. That's right. the miracle of being. That's the, it's like, the mystery. It's the of course moment. The of course moment that you are having, uh, Remy. It's like, that's why it's saying of course feels so good because it's just acknowledging that the thing that we don't know is the beautiful thing. Mm. And that is the mystery. And that is the wonder. That's the magic. That's the awe. And that's the thing that I strive to, you know, that's it. So, um, but like, I'm trying to incorporate in my own personal life, like being more flexible um, and less rigid because I'm really fixed on certainty as like a result of growing up in chaos. Um, and like just leaning into this idea that like life is uncertain because that's the reality. Yeah. Even saying that as a true thing is so healing, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. just saying life is often chaotic. Like when things are happening to you saying, of course this happens in life, a chaotic thing that I'm living through, you know, of course this happens in life, you know, of course you lose your mother at some point, or of course, mm -hmm. like you get fired from your job or like, you know, you look at life because you can either take responsibility for that because it's not your fault, which through our ego, you know, and through our culture, we're taught to take the blame and shame mm -hmm. for it, but it's not ours to take, right. you know, it's not fucking ours to take. Don't take it, Remy. Don't You're take better it. Than take it. No, no, not having yeah, it. Yeah. I like, and like, so yeah, I, I hate to tell you this though, because I love you dear, dear, dearly. And like, oh my God, when, you tell take, me. when you take chaos into and in, turn it into magic, that's what we're doing right here. That's what we're called. This is this, this is what we're called to do. This is the art that we're making, right? This, this is, is the, the violet fire. Alchemical violet fire. This is it. Um, yeah. And I hate to tell you this, Remy, but if but... you were meant for this alchemy, this magic, if you were meant to turn this chaos into beauty, you have a hungry ghost inside of you that is mm. raging. I do have and a I, hungry ghost. You have a fucking hungry ghost that is wandering the universe, yeah. the other fucking celestial places that we can't even see or conceived of. And it's yeah. searching and it's discontent. Oh and my the God. thing that it's searching for is you and it's discontent because it doesn't understand what's happening to it. And it's lost mm. and it's looking for you. And the hungry ghost is inside of you and I can see her. Mm. And I can feel her and I just want to acknowledge her. And I want to acknowledge that hungry ghost in me. And, and I want to acknowledge the hungry ghost in all of the people that are listening yeah. because find your hungry ghost and feed her. Feed um, that bitch. I wonder what she eats. Um, but this, <laughs> ghost, you know, uh, this discontent trying to forge chaos into alchemical beauty, that is the gift, right? That is the work. But that work comes with suffering and not just a little bit of suffering. That work comes with, you know, a lot of fucking suffering yeah um like any 80s like sci-fi like you know like long format film there's the magic is in the suffering you got to uh, find the magic in the suffering are is there anything beyond star wars that fits that description girl i don't know i'm just applying that okay. to everything in the I was 80s like, that happened because <laughs> i learned that in the, the 80s from a film and i can't remember which one so i'm just like broadly 
calling the 80s a category of film. I'm sure it's something um, Yoda said, for sure. I don't fucking know. But yeah. um, my soul is a raging hungry ghost. You yeah, know? yeah. With, but with brief moments of calm, you know, it's not all doom and gloom. There's some calm and be fun. Sometimes I like do things, you know, sometimes I make art. But yeah. it's a tumultuous and torturous existence for us people, people mm-hmm. like us, people who want to heal and fix, you yeah. know? Yeah. Because healing and fixing is self-work that we've tried to do outward to begin with. And then you have to learn that doing outward's not working. So you're going inward. But that's a that's a specific kind of suffering, you know? Yeah. And you 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 can either react to this is why people like us have drinking issues or you know use drugs a little more than they should or or get know, addicted to, sex to than romance or tarot or whatever you know I don't know yeah. any people like that um but <laughs> it's because they're trying to self-heal this right. wound this yeah. soul wound this hungry ghost wound this yeah. mark of an empath this mark of a, a mystic this mark of a magic maker you know yeah. like it's just there um and you have to acknowledge her and uh, you do have to feed her you have to open the little door and you have to throw something in throw her a bone you got in, in in every sense of the word please but, but as people like us you have to be okay with loss you know you have to be okay yeah. with losing you have to be okay with fucking up being made fun and of, being not vulnerable being, not being good at things yes because yeah. if you're a dancer like you were or if you're like a performer or a singer like i was you're always shitty at the beginning and people right. will be fucking mean about that yeah. but you know your soul and you know what your calling is and you're like bitch i might be fat right now but give me six weeks and show me the dance steps okay like i will be up here in an outfit in six weeks in okay? my fucking sequence yeah you're like i was meant to be for here tap dancing around yeah. yeah and that's the thing i loved about art class or whatever where all the queerdos hung out is because you would just like see each other and you'd be like okay let's find each other's like star hole ghost hungry hole together and maybe <laughs> fun um but yeah you have to be okay with it um yeah. and it doesn't matter what you look like you know if you have a hunchback just throw a little glitter on it honey and go dancing that's, that's from right. party monster but Cute. that's yeah that's what I feel like. But as like artists, performers, singers, anyone like that, like anyone that can take this chaos and make it beautiful and make the pain seem less intrusive, feel less inescapable, give the soul a moment of rest. These are the people. And like, as a result, like people like us, I, I can only speak for myself here, but like in my experience, um, relationships are exchanges that do not withstand the righteous anger of that chaos. Let's call it like cosmological chaos. I can't deal with fake fucking flimsy, easily melts away bullshit, right? Mm. This, when I what do you mean love, by that? What do you mean? When I want love, girl, I want the real fucking deal. Like, yeah. I don't want, like, I just can't be, if something can't withstand the fucking test of, like, the rage of the chaos that I experience in this world, then, like, it's not the kind of shit I want. It's not the good shit, girl. Mm. I'm not going to waste my time there, honey. <laughs> you know, because my time here is counted. Like, there's not, there's... I got to look, you know, I'm a searcher. I'm a hungry ghost girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But the only path to peace is accepting that, right? It's accepting that chaos is as it is. Yeah. The world is as it is and we're powerless to fix that. And that's the, that's the work, I think, from where I sit. Okay. I love that. And like healing from that is like being fully present to what is without judging or evaluating or wanting something different. It's the most basic act of love according i mean that's just it right but that's what that was said by huntington 
um, C.W. Huntington, The Miracle of the Ordinary. But it's just the most beautiful thing. And like, this is what Buddhists, they don't believe that human beings are evil, but they generally accept that human beings create their own suffering through their greed, anger, or ignorance, mm. i.e. not healing from it. So, well, and, and yeah, and like creating chaos. Yeah. And like this alchemy is based on the transformation of the matter, right? The particularly it, it, it's trying to attempt to convert the base metal, this like thing into some beautiful like, universal healing elixir, right? Mm. Yeah. Um, similar to like chaos theory <laughs> or in psychology, which there's actually a chaos theory in psychology. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a trauma response to try and control that, that which was, cannot be controlled. And it is wounding and rewounding to be unable to control the uncontrollable, right? Like when you can't find the love um, to tame that chaos. But through like work and boundaries, we can attempt to at least like make that more navigable. You know, we can't fix the pain really other than you can treat it. You have to walk through it though. You have to agree to walk through it. Oh, you have I to didn't... feel it to heal it, baby. Yes. Oh man, feel it to heal it, Rem Rem. Yes, um, you know. Am I allowed to say that? Oh Rem, my god. Rem. I'm okay. I'm actually offended you haven't said it. Ram, ram. It's like <laughs> remming up the engine. Um, okay. <laughs> Descent, but okay, I have some other cool shit to talk about if you don't mind. Are we running over? I feel like I'm going long, but um there's this like other have you heard of disentropy or entropy? Do you know what that is? No. Well, so, I know what, okay, no, but go ahead. No, what? Go ahead. No, no. Isn't entropy? I know what entropy is, but I don't entropy, know what it is like in this context. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But entropy is the invisible magical wonder, this like cosmological mystery that is our existence, right? Entropy is. Uh, oh, I was thinking like, atrophy. <laughs> it's like, okay. it is. That's not what I thought. Yeah. It was. No, but entropy in physics, it's a ther- thermodynamic quantity representing the unavailability of a system's, excuse me, unavailability of a system's thermal energy for conversion into mechanical work, often interpreted as the degree of disorder two. So um, disentropy, what, what does that mean? Yeah, what does that mean? That life is chaos. Everything, existence is chaos. Okay, got it. That everything is moving without order. That, okay. that, that there is nothing is related. Everything is pure and utter chaos. Absolutely okay. no order to anything. Uh-huh. Um, but disentropy is a measure of order or certainty, while entropy is a measure of the disorder or uncertainty, right? Mm-hmm. So um, how do we get there? How, like that, And that's what everything is. That's like the physical world. That's the miracle is we shouldn't even be here to begin with, according to entropy, which is like the the guiding force of physics like the wow. the, the fucking principle like number one ground ground stone of fucking physics is entropy but like our existence is actually the exact opposite our existence is disentropy so it's how do we explain that through physics through the thing that we've created to talk about it and that's the mystery hmm. um yeah um and that's what dark matter is like do you know dark matter so it's like in cosmological theories it's a non-luminous material that is postulated to exist in the space um in space and that could take on any of several forms including weakly interacting particles so other in other words these entropic particles that are bouncing around with no um fucking reason to be there and in total chaos this is the thing dark matter that like comes and like forms it into something or high energy randomly moving particles created soon after the big bang hot matter matter. yeah 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 so when a quantum observer is watching quantum mechanics states um that particles can also behave as waves in other words 
when under observation, electrons are being forced to behave like particles and not like waves. Thus, the mere act of observing the particles affects the experimental findings. So oh, even just, what? Yeah, just our consciousness changes the particle movement. And just it's, the fact that, they were wa- that we're watching it changes everything. Just basically. it being observed changes it. So meaning it's created wow. in that moment for us to observe it. Wow. Uh, yes. Everything is insane. Everything is crazy. That's dark matter. Wow. So it's like in relationship with us, with just the fact that we're conscious and existing and looking at it. it Right. But our soul existing and observing it is what creates the thing that we're observing. Ah. So it's like a it's a self-referential system. What? It's like, what? It's. Yes. Oh my God. It's like an infinity mirror of existence. Girl, we could talk about this for infinity and infinity, which we are doing <laughs> now. Um, oh my but, God. And, and then, okay, so I'll, I'm going to move on, but it's so fucking amazing. So according to M. Scott Peck, he's a social psychologist. Um, there are four stages of community, four distinct and predictable phases, um, which I love because I use this work all the time, actually, in my work. So, but it's pseudo community, um, community, or excuse me, pseudo community, chaos, empty, Emptiness and community. Those are the four stages of community. But Mm. chaos is the one that I love because once an individual different surfaces, the group almost immediately moves into chaos. And the chaos centers around this well-intentioned but misguided attempt to heal and convert, which Mm. I'm doing right now. And (laughs) individual differences come out in the open and the group attempts to obliterate the difference. Mm. It is a stage of uncreative and unconstructive fighting and struggle. It is no fucking fun. But it's common for members to attack not only each other, which I got attacked in a fucking dim sum place today, but... um, You sure did. Yeah, it is not common for members to attack each other, not only each other, but also the leader and common for one or more members invariably proposing an escape into organization or attempt to replace the designated leader. However, as long as the goal is true community, the organization um, as an attempted solution to chaos is unworkable, meaning you can't fix, you can't build community out of chaos. Like it has to be ordered. Um, Interesting. Yeah, yeah. But chaos um, in chaos theory and psychology is another theory that I love, and it has to be brought up. Um, But they propose, presuppose that um, the underlying chaos of depression is chaos, is us experiencing or observing the dark matter that is life, which is chaos, right? So that's the underlying depression or cause of depression, according to chaos theory. Wow. Um, It's just us being aware of the fact that life is chaotic. well, when Randall went to a therapist, he was suffering. So Randall is obviously somebody, right? Okay. <laughs> um, but when Randall first went to a therapist, he was suffering from uh, from a depression that he could just not seem to shake. So, or in other words, we call that um, treatment resistant depression, which I have. Um, he said that it didn't seem to be caused by anything. He was just down a lot of time, right? Randall's being like, I'm just a down guy. I'm like, mm, whatever. I'm just bummed out. Um, Right. As the therapist worked with Randall, they saw, she saw that there were many deeper issues that he was keeping hidden. Shockingly, Mm. Randall, Mm. you didn't Mm. tell her everything right away. Um, (laughs) Bad Randall. Um, But the therapist recognized that she, a seemingly simple case of malaise or mild depression was actually backed by a complex and confounding web of prior events. In other words, duh. 
but like also right. that's chaos theory in psychology. So for psychologists, chaos or random disorder is a fact of life. However, a great deal of research into something called chaos theory has begun to shed light on how the brain functions. More importantly for mental health professionals, chaos theory driven investigations of brain function have led to the discoveries that have helped frame new theories of practice. So like what is chaos theory? Uh, scientists have long turned a blind eye to the unpredictable nature of nature, right? Like, we're, this is not what we're saying. Like, um, but if they weren't able to see some reason in a process, an argument, or the universe at large, it was because they weren't looking hard enough. And the overarching mm -hmm. belief in science was that everything was happening due to unpredictable patterns, or excuse me, predictable patterns, which mm -hmm. were simple, right, if they were viewed correctly. So in other words, if you just see something well enough, a white man would say, you mm -hmm. can understand it, which mm -hmm. is just, yeah. Enter on the point. He can understand it. Yeah. Right? Exactly. He's like, I can he, understand everything. He can put it in his language. And therefore, it's like reality. Like, yeah. that's why it can be put to the book, man, because it actually exists. And that exists today still in, in the, the clinic and academia and all of these uh, ivory halls, you know, of justice and, you know, liberty or whatever bullshit. It's like, it's this, this attempt to hide that from us. Mm -hmm. um, this like deeply entrenched, um, yeah, elitism or like anti-intellectualism. But anyway, enter uh, Henri Poincaré, which I think is how his name is pronounced, but he's a physicist, a Frenchie, I think, who at the turn of the 20th century turned the scientific world on its head. He demonstrated that even seemingly insignificant and seemingly simple systems could produce very complex and confusing behavior. Uh, later, scientists would invent a name for what Poincaré had discovered, the butterfly effect. You've heard of this, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the butterfly effect. This idea that says that a small change in one place at the moment of time, such as the flapping of butterfly wings, um, leads to outrageous effect on the other side, right? Like a typhoon or something cray cray. Mm -hmm. um, like getting a gun pulled on you in a dim sum place. Um, how chaos theory applies to the human psyche. Um, and this is, this is um, borrowed from texts that I am studying. So um, the brain is a frightening place to be though right am i not yeah. wrong in that round no you're right um, and, so it's like that's why i have compassion for that little girl who's like trying not to be in pain or mm -hmm. in chaos it's like yeah. okay that you don't have all the answers it's okay that you don't know how to like how do we and how do we even define safety in a culture like ours like what is even safe for a woman i don't know that answers that question and i can't say that we have a grasp on it either you know Mm. Um, the humans what is safety for a woman I don't know do you no, know what I, safety I, is I don't know I couldn't begin to answer okay. that question yeah anyway um, the human brain is still a frightening place to be at least there are times when most brains work to confound and confuse the humans who possess them like me <laughs> my brain is always trying to do this um, the human psyche is unpredictable and complex there are more than 7 billion people on this fucking planet and we are all snowflakes um, snowflakes slush balls, having different personalities, dreams, and developmental paths. Psychology tries to take that sense of chaos and tame it, right? Mm -hmm. Contain it. Create a container right. to put that chaos in. Compartmentalize. The, yeah. And that's the healing work that you're doing, which I love. And it's not easy, is it? Sure is not, baby. Let me yeah. tell you. But it's not easy, which is the why the DSM, you know, the DSM diagnostic manual. Do you know about this? Yes, sort of. Yeah, it's the manual. It's basically like the white man created book that legitimates the thing that you're diagnosed with. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
it's deeply problematic. I actually think the APA just didn't put this ones out, but it's like deeply problematic. It's like a white man understands this and has words for it and language, so it's real. And this is erases, and this is why I hate actually APA or like you know DSM. It's because like some of these things, some of these people that they are calling, this sounds like something very obvious, but like some of the people that they are calling crazy aren't crazy. Other cultures would call them the visionaries, you know, right. like faggots, for example, were worshiped time immemorial as, and recognized as third gender beings, as two spirit people, as the people you went to with questions, right. like, you know, as the people who were put into egregious amounts of power were put on these people, the star right. children, the women, the, the witches, the cool people, the cool right. bitches, girl. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like psychology tries to make sense of chaos, right? And it, is it easy, girl? Um, to you, and it's so, but it's so fucking generic and so relatively nonspecific. Um, but yeah, so I think that that's still a thing that I struggle with is like, how do you understand mental disorders using rational method of explanation, right? Mm -hmm. how, how do you do that? How are you rational instead of pathologizing patients or creating diagnoses for them? How do you get them care? And this is even when I went to the emergency room, I was trying to have a human interaction with the person who was about to stick their finger in my butt and just be like, listen, this is the real talk, da, da, da. But she was like using this clinical language to separate her from the experience, mm -hmm. which I understand as a clinician, like you have to get through a day, an eight hour day in the ER. So you do have to create a barrier, you know, right. to survive that. But I was trying to like get to the human part of her, right. you know? And I think I got there. We had a connection. She told me she was, from, she was from Georgia. But like my mom does this with the Bible. She wants to convert everyone to Jesus. But inside, she's really just trying to do the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. She wants to like just connect to the human part of them. Yeah, yeah. And I think if we looked at people who are, creating all this egregious, you know, disproportionate power bullshit in the world. People like my white women with money who are like, you know, whatever, um, who perpetuate this power. If, if we actually gave them tools, if we diagnose them, we're like, sorry, you're actually just misguided in your attempt to heal and fix, like do it this way. Like, right. We would live in a different world. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, yeah. I mean, that's so powerful and it's so true. And it's like, yeah. that's what, what, that's the path that we're walking is trying yeah, to do it a different just, way. Yeah. And just, that's it. That's the fucking work. And I love you. And thank you for doing it with me. And oh Jessica, God, I love you. thank you for doing it with me. Jessica. Wow. Yeah. Jessica, thank you so much for coming on. Hi. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Thanks for putting up with that in silence. For like... No, it's funny. I actually was reading, um, about chaos theory too before this oh. episode so I was I, I love synchronicity. That's cool. <laughs> well, and so let me just, so, so Jessica Molnar, you are an artist and you're actually also someone I went to high school with. <laughs> yes. Yes. Although, what? I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. But Jessica was in my sister's uh, class, graduating class. What? Yeah. Oh so she was ah. like cool and older. Um, and yeah, I, we and we were recently chatting, um, and I can't even remember how this conversation started, but we were chatting about your experiences growing up in chaos with your mom, who you're pretty sure um, is a sociopath. <laughs> and I was so fascinated by your essay that you wrote because you wrote an essay about this. And I was hoping like that you could kind of jump in telling us some about like some of those initializing 
chaos traumas that you experienced with your mom early on in your life? Yeah, sure. Um, man, Remy, it was a trip listening to your story about your mom because, mm. you know, we, we knew each other, but we didn't know each other. We're going through, um, right. all chaos, all the chaos. So yeah, my, my chaos story, I guess it starts probably, um, in junior high. I think I was in maybe a grade seventh or eighth grade. Um, and we were living in Palmdale, California. It's like a no fucking way. I'm from Palmdale. I was born in Palmdale. (laughs) Yeah. So Palmdale, Palmdale, we were living in Palmdale and, um, my mom decided that she wanted to leave my dad and this happened to me in Palmdale too. Okay. I'm going (laughs) to, she convinced me and my brother that we would sneak away while dad was at work. And so we spent weeks packing up our stuff and hiding it in the closets and under the bed. Wow. So he and didn't know at all. He didn't know. He didn't know. He came home one day. Oh my God. There was a note on the bathroom mirror written in soap. Oh my God. No, that's soap? a movie moment. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. It, was, it was bizarre. And she, um, she'd managed to get help from a battered women's organization there was no violence in our home but that's how she was able to get the help to move Mm. so she so in other words she lied about there being violence yeah wow wow Wow. but i mean this is also the not a reflection on your mother as much as like as much as that guy pulling a gun on me or threatening to as a reflection on systemic injustice like you know women with children or whatever women who are terrified at all and just by their reporting of that should have a safe place to go Mm -hmm. Like that just has to be a part of the world that we live in. Well, right, sure, totally. And at the and there's this like uh, simultaneous injustice of this woman pretending that she's being victimized. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, but that's the exact yeah. right, and that's why it's such an egregious thing. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, so you guys end up in this shelter. No, we um, we moved into an apartment mm. uh, in SoCal in Burbank. Um, yeah, we moved in with my, my former babysitter and her new baby. What? Yeah, and then we moved around a lot. We moved around um, probably once a year. Uh, my mom wasn't really good at keeping a job, and sometimes we would move out uh, on the down low to sort of evade the landlord. Right, mm-hmm. not pay rent, skip on rent. Yeah, yeah. Which, but your poor mother, I have so much compassion for her. Well, we're not quite, not all of us are quite there. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. No, but like, imagine having children and like being that. No, because she's in pain. She's obviously a she's woman got, in pain. She's, she's got some stuff going on. I yeah, she's know, definitely. I don't know what her trip is. That's what um, I have compassion for. I don't have compassion yeah. for her action or what she's doing or the violence she caused you, but I have compassion for the human pain. Yeah, you know? right. Sure. Well, and, and so also, Jessica, you said that there were like multiple instances of her like skipping out on paying for stuff. Yeah, we used to go dine and dash. That was a a frequent thing. Oh my God. I did that as a kid, but yeah, yeah. We would do it as a family. Wow. (laughs) What did that look like? She would just be like, okay, guys, here's the plan or what? We're we're going out to dinner. Uh, We would pick a nice restaurant usually. And uh, we had our routine down after we were done eating. Uh, The kids would go to the car and mom would meet us there and we were out. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel now about that? 
Well, oh, gosh, <laughs> it was it set a really bad precedent. I'll tell you what. Mm, yeah, I'm so sorry. And then, well, you and then you mentioned another time about how she would just like leave you guys. Well, she really liked Vegas. She probably still does. So sometimes we would wow. um, hop in the car and just drive all night and go to Vegas. That was pretty regular. And then there was one time when I was in high school that she went by herself and she didn't mm. tell anybody where she was going. My brother and I had no clue where she was wow. and we were really freaked out and we were calling everybody we could think of. And a couple of days later she comes home and she was honestly surprised that we were scared or worried. Wow. Like she had no frame of reference for what that would feel like. Or yeah, something? it was, it was, wow. bizarre. it was disconcerting. Wow. wow. And so how, like, this is really big stuff, right? Like leaving your, Huge. like making you guys complicit in this plan to sneak away from your father in the night. Um, like all this lying, all of this, um, you know, like evading payment, um, how, and, and all, yeah, all this chaotic behavior. How did all of that impact you as you started to c- come into your adulthood or young womanhood? Mm. Um, well, it was chaotic, I'll tell you. Um, I started drinking pretty heavily in high school. Mm. And- I did too. I started using drugs and, and cocaine and booze in middle school, actually. Wow, yeah. No. That's heavy. Yeah. The first time I did a bump was at church. Oh <laughs> you said that also I was fucking wild. Yeah. Um okay, so so you yeah. are so so chaos is starting to emerge. Yeah, yeah. Uh drinking through high school, partying a lot, time to graduate. I have no clue what I did you have fun though? I did, did have, have fun. fun. Yeah, I went to yeah. a lot of raves and I love that. That was a very fun scene. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I hope that you have that <laughs> tucked away inside of you to look back on sometimes. Yeah, yeah, there were some very fun. Moments. Save that joy for later, goal. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, when it was time for me to graduate, I didn't. I didn't have a plan. I didn't take SATs. I didn't have colleges that I'd applied to. Right. And, and Those kids I, freaked me out. Actually, like the ones who are like, I'm planning my life now. I'm like girl go be an artist yeah yeah <laughs> go get and that's that's pretty much what I did I um I got accepted into the Academy of Art College I had four hundred dollars I picked San Francisco one of the reasons ah! is I didn't have a driver's license my parents didn't teach me how to drive so I needed to go someplace where I wouldn't need a car so San Francisco- wait did they do that to punish you or they just didn't they do just it didn't. incompetent yeah Incom- okay. I'm so <laughs> sorry <laughs> But I, I had a lot of fun in high school, uh, in college, and I. And what a place, San Francisco, to go to college for art school! Fucking awesome. It was. It was. It was awesome. I love uh, that. Uh, I kind of got into train wreck mode in there. I. Yeah, that's San Francisco. Acid. That's the yeah. city. I have some acid right now, actually. <laughs> well, so what did that? What did that look like? Um, I had a really hard time holding on to a job mm-hmm. and uh, I was doing really badly in my classes, uh, drinking very heavily and had a, mm. another various OCD kind of 
behaviors. Um, You had like an OCD kind of response. Yeah. Oh, Oh, to the stress of living in the city and like not like highly functioning. I really didn't know how to take care of myself at all. Yeah, right. It's deeply traumatic if you have no resources. Cigarettes and candy bars and the occasional stolen sandwich. Right. Mm. (laughs) Oh, so you were stealing too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. We both stole in San Francisco. Oh, yeah, I got busted for shot. Yeah, we did a whole episode. We all did. All, all three of us. We're in a click. We're in a witch Shoplifting in San Francisco. <laughs> the huddle of thieves. A huddle of thieves. Yeah. And so was that sort of like, um, was there, like, were you lying too? I mean, because your mom, it sounds like there was a lot of lying. Had that rubbed off on you too? Um, I, yeah, I got pretty good at manipulating to get my way. Um, I was not, I was not very responsible. I didn't, I didn't, uh, know how to do the adulting thing at all. So you were basically like reflecting back what you had absorbed. Yeah. It's what you'd been taught. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. For sure. Yeah. yeah. I'll go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to ask like, um, so you're, you're in San Francisco and it's like OCD, uh, lying, stealing, mm-hmm. um, drugs and alcohol. Yeah, um, a whole bit. Um, things started to change for me when I was I was 24, and I met the man that I married, my husband. Um, we met at a dinner party, so that was pretty fun. And we just we fell in love really fast, and we moved oh, together. I love that. Yeah, yeah. We ended up living uh, in an Airstream trailer in an industrial yard in Richmond. So it was it was pretty rough. But wow. We had, space, oh, we had privacy. We had each other. Um, so cinematic, yeah. though. Such a cinematic deal I know, you I, have, Jessica. I, I want this on film. <laughs> I have pictures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's write that script. Let's yeah. get this made. Gus Van yeah. Sant, you out there, girl. You listening, sponsor us. <laughs> so so you guys meet and then this is like a, a renewed tell yeah like talk about that I'm so curious yeah, it, was, about... it was really the first um time in my life where I felt safe and stable and I started to um relax and mm. just feel yeah feel safe um mm. And it sounds like, like you hadn't ever really understood what trust could feel like prior to that. And then all of a sudden you have a stable situation with a person. Yeah, I, didn't, like, I didn't know what I was missing before. It was yeah, mm. yeah a brand new thing. So this mm-hmm. is a game changer. It was a, it was a major game changer. I had taken time off from school and my husband encouraged me to go back to school and finish my degree. It took me nine years to make my way through art school. Mm. By the end of it, I had maxed out the amount of student loans that I could take. So I would work for a semester and save up and then I'd go to school for a semester and then I'd work and save. And finally, finally, I was able to graduate. And so my graduation was really one of the one of the weirdest parts. I invited mm. my mom, my brother, a friend and my sweetie, they were all there. and. Well, I was on stage graduating. I had no idea what was going on, but I found out later. <laughs> yeah, so what, um, what my, happened? My mom had attempted to steal somebody's giant heirloom diamond ring. What? Yeah, during the graduation? During the graduation ceremony. The Holy shit. My family 
Where is um, your mom from? Uh, Buffalo, New York. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. That makes more sense, though. <laughs> That's a New York thing to do. <laughs> so she, someone's fucking rock. Yeah, yeah. So the, this diamond ring had fallen on the ground, and my brother found it, and he asked my friend if it was hers, and she said no, and he showed my mom, and she grabbed it and made a beeline for the bathroom. Damn. And of course, the people that, I mean, that's a, that's a fucking missed opportunity. I mean, like, I could see how as a poor person, not to say I'm not advocating not, I, I don't know if I would at times in my life have made it known I have, had found a gold ring, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever. Because it's like, when you're poor, it's like, it's the right thing to do, obviously, to like return it to the person. Yeah, it, but, was, it was too much temptation. And yeah. for her, she, yeah. Yeah, she tried to steal it. Uh, it, it escalated and cops got called and what and uh, wait how did they find out she had the ring the family asked they started asking around asking people uh sitting near them if anybody had seen it and um somehow they i think my brother friend had said yeah uh my mom oh, he, oh yeah yeah i mean he's a kid too <laughs> i don't know they 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 ended up finding it. My brother, my husband, uh, de-escalated everything and kept them from calling the cops and helped them to find the ring hidden. It was it was hidden in the the ladies' restroom, mm. and my mom ended up having just she had a violent freak out and she was yelling at my my baby and and she after after the graduation. Um, mm. You know, I, I came out and I was I was elated. I was so proud of myself for finally finishing finishing this thing. Mm. And um, so my sweetie comes up to me and he says, "You know, congratulations!" He gave me some flowers and he said, "Oh, good boy." You know, something something happened with your mom. I think it's you know I think it's over. But you know, there was a thing that happened. Mm. And I go over to her and she is just mad. And uh, tells me that my my boyfriend is the worst motherfucker that she ever met in her whole life. What? <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, I couldn't get it. I didn't get a straight answer about um, what happened. It kind of got teased out over over a, a while. But yeah, but there's this industry. is such a, a powerful moment because it's like here you are. Um, graduated like yeah, powerful it, moment. yeah this yeah. huge moment of like transcendence for you where you're like I'm turning my life around I have this beautiful person in my life I've like worked so hard to get through school and this is like the trauma of chaos this is exactly it is you're like yeah. you ha- you're here in this blissful moment that like gets turned into um mm, it's yucked your yum is yuck yeah your yeah. yum got so yucked by this person who is who can't help themselves but to create chaos where there doesn't need to be any fucking chaos by doing things like stealing lying right, right. um having Creating violent chaos. communication yes. yeah. yeah and so that that is the trauma so no sense of appropriateness right, right. yeah right yeah totally crazy and so then I think what you had said was that there was like, so you, you kind of ended things with her, but then you tried to, to reintroduce her into your life later. Yeah. There were over, over time, a couple of times I, you know, I did some talk therapy that wasn't helpful. Mm. Um, I taken a break from her and then 
right. two years later, she we kind of you know started talking a little bit. And but can I just say real quick, sorry, sure. can I just, like, I don't, because psychotherapy is not always the best route to begin with, right? Because right. you have to do so much fucking work to get to where it's helpful. And as a kid, especially coming out of a broken family, a fucked up, situ- a chaotic family like that, it's like the last thing you want to do is reinvest into something that might actually not pan out, right? So like mental health is terrifying to you. Mm. Well, I was, I was going to uh, like student therapist too. Oh, ew, no, I yeah, was a sorry. guinea pig. And yeah, and it gives you a bad pain. I just got really good at explaining myself, mm. but it, it didn't, it wasn't. It didn't, it wasn't working. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> and so, so you're, so, okay. It's not working with talk therapy and you're kind of like, you're not really fully healed at this point. And you're just like, well, um, I kind of think maybe mom should be in my life, but there were other things going on that made you feel that way. Right. Um, yeah, there, there's, let's see, ups and downs. Um, we'd, we kind of reconnected briefly and Mm. we we had a, we had a really bad visit. It was a terrible visit. We went out to lunch and she was Mm. reminiscing about doing dine and dashes and that set me off and oh. left the restaurant. And as we were walking back to the car, she was trying to console me and she was saying things like, oh, they're there, mommy loves you. Mm. And that just freaked yeah. me out. <laughs> yeah, that freaks yes. you out, yeah. That freaks me out for you. I'm freaked out. Well, also that's like, that's anxious attachment style just being recreated and triggered and right. all the things. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so I took another break from her for a while, and mm-hmm. uh, oh man, yeah, there's so many things I forgot to even mention that I'd gotten married in the meantime. I what? I I uh, I set a condition for my mother to be invited to the wedding that she had to agree to do family counseling with me, and she wouldn't agree to it, so I didn't invite her. Mm-hmm. And it turned out we had we had neither of none of our parents at the wedding. Oh and damn! It was parent free. <laughs> Is are you still parent, in that This is a parent-free zone. Are you, are you still in the marriage? Yes, yes. Oh my god, I love yeah. that for you. Oh my That's god, we've been together for like eighteen years. Oh, I love love. Yeah, Good yeah. job, guys. Well, oh, also, I want to pause to say that, like, one of the things that I've learned is that y- people can have anxious attachment style or avoidant attachment style, but if they're with someone who shows them what secure attachment style can look like, they can recreate their attachment style. So like love is healing is the thing right. I'm trying to say, like love yeah. can be extremely healing. So love yeah. is healing. Love is the answer. <laughs> Y'all find love found the- love in a, what is it in a broken place? Yeah. Yeah. Like, that is, yes, that is literally. And we saved each other. Yeah. I love so, you guys. Okay. I love so, so wait, so you guys get married, no mom at the wedding, and yeah. then you have a son. We, after we got married, we decided that we would leave California. We wanted to move to Washington. So, um, I don't know how to make a long story short, really. <laughs> we, mm. we had an America's Cup yacht, a giant yacht. We were going to sell it. We chopped it up because nobody wanted to buy it and we lived on scrap for a year. And then finally it was just time to go. So we uh, hitched up our trailer and we had a thousand bucks and no jobs lined up, but we went anyways. We landed in Port Townsend and we- I love Port Townsend. Port Townsend is so cute. Oh my God. I mean, I worked at the Snow Isle Food Co-op if you know what that is. 
Oh yeah. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I worked at Snow Owl. I worked in the deli, the Soul Deli. I I made tempeh bacon Rubens all the time. I lived in the roundhouse when you were driving into town. Oh my God. I know. I yes. love that place. I that place is so cute. I lived, in the fire, I lived in the firehouse behind the co-op. Oh, cool. On yes. Grand right Fort there. Jackson. Oh my God. I love you. We have so much synchronicity. Yes. <laughs> okay. So gosh. Okay. So Port Townsend, we were there for a year. There's, there was just a lot of moving. We we moved around a bunch. And then um, in 2013, we were able to buy a house. Uh, Congratulations. Had, thank you. Oh, my God. We got a USDA rural development home loan. No money. Yay. Got a house. Oh, I, I love your love. I love your house. <laughs> and so it was, it was a housewarming slash baby shower I, I yeah yeah my son was born and a bouncing baby boy yes he was he was amazing and and motherhood motherhood was one of the big things that really really changed things for me um mm. because I I just couldn't I couldn't avoid uh pain that I was holding on to any longer mm. I would look at this this beautiful baby and I knew I couldn't be the mother that he needed if I was still harboring these little pieces of self-hate that I couldn't I couldn't acknowledge so I right. really um getting tender with myself mm. and reparenting myself um offering myself unconditional love and mm. I would I, I would have all these breakdowns. I'd find myself in the bathroom just crying and feeling terrible and feeling like a fuck up and feeling this and that. And I, I would start to catch myself and say things like, oh, sweetie, I love you. Even in this fucked up messy moment, I love you. And that, you know, just doing things like that um, I love that. Yeah. Oh my God. I love how that heals. Yes. Yes. Um, I also took a memoir writing class during that time that um, helped me to really process a lot of these troubling stories. Yeah. Have you read, have you read Luis uh, Erdrich uh, Love Medicine? They're uh, indigenous uh, woman. Uh, anyway, you should definitely read it because it it's, aligns with your story so much. Mm. Well, I'm writing it down in my notes. Um, yeah. So, memoir writing that was that was a really powerful class. It was a really in depth class. It was called personal mm. myth making. Personal mm. myth. It, personal yeah. myth making. I love that. And the yeah. instructor, Janelle Hardy, she's amazing. She goes into um, all kinds of embodiment practices yes. for healing and um, archetypal stories. Very yes, stories. the archetype. Yeah. Did you all read some Jung in that class? We didn't. We, um, what? No. Uh, oh, she went we, the other we, route. It wasn't. It wasn't an academic course per se. Oh, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's I. I. I think that was a better class then. Yeah, it was. It was perfectly timed. It was just what I needed. I loved it, and I've actually taken it twice. 
Oh, yes. Oh, I love that. Cool. And that was part of your, so the memoir class and this archetype class, these are things that were healing for you. These Definitely. were the ways that you healed. Very, yeah. Very much. Yeah. And then what about, cause I know you're an artist too. Yeah. Art, art has always been a big part of my process. And so when I was in art school, a lot of my art came through as, oh, really, really angsty stuff, trying to grapple with my, you know, personal identity and things like that. Mm. And I made a choker out of my hair. Right. Um, sure. Right. That's cool. That is armor cool. bodice and like, that's like hot. That. <laughs> that's actually um, really good work. I love that. And so, yeah, back to my mom, like after, after I, after I became a mother, I started to miss her a little bit and she started mm. to reappear in my life in little small ways. She would send cards. Sometimes we talk on the phone and she was really sweet. And I, I was, you know, I was really missing that. Mm. Um, we'd see each other sometimes at some family get togethers. And in 2019, we had a really bad year financially, the company that I worked at folded mm -hmm. and I just couldn't find anything. It was insane. I spent so many days, you know, just applying for every, everything I could think of. Um, nothing panned out. I just kept going on job interviews, no resumes, and nothing panned out. I couldn't sell any artwork. No. And then uh, I finally invited my mom to move in with us. Oh my god! It was it was a terrible idea. Um, oh my god! Yeah, well, how after, did you do that? How did you do it? Well, I I thought at the time it would be a good idea. No, no, I didn't say why did you do it. I said how did you do it. I'm sorry. Um. Well, I just I offered. You called her. Yeah. yeah. We had, we'd been talking. Okay. Oh, you've been, oh, you, had, you had kind of like rekindled a little bit. Yeah. yeah okay. So got it. Okay. Got it. Got it. That's I, what I, I was just interested in like, I had such you a chaotic brain, it's hard to even <laughs> tell yeah. it. I'm chaotic though too, so I'm probably not helping. Yeah, so she, she moved in with us and after a month, she had a very random violent outburst at the kitchen table and was yelling obscenities at my husband and throwing silverware and so I, I just got up and I yelled at her I told her it was you know she had to go and that was that was the last time I saw her uh, last time I talked to her when was that that was that was that and I'm you know I don't feel the least bit sorry I don't yeah for yeah. making your home safe are you you're sorry for that no no yeah. well and that it's also part of that chaos wound, right? And that anxious attachment is we, it's like, because we never learned boundaries mm -hmm. when we become adults, we're so confused about what healthy boundaries look like. We've just never yeah. seen them before. And especially with someone, you know, who is her behavior in the world, the way she moved around the world was so chaotic and unpredictable and so, um, out of alignment with health, you know? Yeah. So now it's like, you want to, of course you want a relationship with your mom. Right. Of course you want uh, your son to have a relationship with his grandmother. Of course you think, well, we're struggling financially. So it makes sense to have my, you know, all these things make sense yeah. when you're, when you're dealing with someone who isn't a complete chaotic, um, a source of chaos. So yeah. then, but it's like, 
you, at the, it's like you keep bringing her in so that the universe can be like, so what does it look like for you to have boundaries this time? Mm. And yeah, yeah. finally you were like, okay, I got it. This is yeah, what it yeah. looks like. Yeah. yeah. No, and it's, it was easier as a mother to create those right. boundaries. It was something that I, I couldn't do before. Really. Mm. And this is part of the healing work that I'm doing now is understand like you have this tiny child who you are in charge of. Right. And like, and it's in the physical world. So it's really, it's a lot easier to be like, yes, this is my child, but we all have children Mm -hmm. and that's our inner child that we are all having to take care of, not having, but we do take care of or don't all the time. Right. right? But we need to, right. We need to nourish, but it's, but we don't have to, right? Like it's up to us to make that decision. And right. so often we just don't know, even know that we're doing it. But then you do a meditation where you are catching yourself out of your mom's vagina. And then mm. you're like, oh shit, like I am in charge of this baby now, you know, like right. this yeah. is, it's my, and it's my honor and my privilege yeah. to take I care love of this that. Baby, not my burden. It's like, I get to do this now. And I get to recreate the story that this baby was told. Like now we're going to teach this baby a new story, which is that you right. are unconsciously loved and you I are valuable oh and you deserve God. stability. Mm-hmm. You deserve to feel safe. Yeah. You right. deserve to have healthy boundaries. Yeah. You right. deserve to have the boundaries that and, and seeing someone, seeing yourself as deserving of love is such a fucking gorgeous thing. And everyone deserves that. Yeah. And I just love this story, Jessica, about like, because, you know, we talk a lot on here about um, sort of maybe more what's considered more conventional methods of healing. But what you're I love that your path to healing looks like writing out your memoirs, like like create writing this story and like looking at archetypes and the archetypes that you embody and that other people embody and using your art to, um, express and heal and all of these ways. And also you fucking put together an ebook for our listeners of all the different ways that they can heal from chaos that Uh, you've experienced on your, on your birthday, you bring us a gift. Yes. Well, it was, it's my pleasure to make it. I love, I love sharing resources. And I, I gave it, I was looking through it and I saw that like this memoir, their memoir class is listed in there and like all of these insane resources, just like beautiful resources that, um, are a a little bit out of the box. You know, it's not like therapy is great for me, but maybe it's not great for everyone. And you have these resources that are a little outside of the box. And I like, I'm so impressed and excited by that. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. And we'll share that. They're accessible resources too. Lots of affordable resources that are available online. Um, Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah. One thing I forgot to mention that I think is important is that Breathwork, Jonathan, you talked about breathwork, and that has yeah. been a big deal for me. I've been doing wow, I love for that two years now, and I love it. I mean, I can't even go back. Wow. Can you tell us a little bit about the breathwork that you're doing? Yeah, so I started doing breathwork. I think it was in 2017 with Amy Koretsky. Okay, uh, she's an acupuncturist in Minnesota, and she okay. had a breathwork Patreon group. For five bucks a month. And I was like, hell well, yeah. <laughs> yes. So um, I just wow. I learned the breath pattern. It's it's different from any other meditation that I've ever done. There's no effort. Like you just right. follow the breath, you listen to whatever the music is. Sometimes there's 
um, a guided meditation that you follow mm. along with. Um, yeah. But really the, the breath somehow it stirs things up. Like it yes. totally um, energy in the body and mm. clears things out. And over the course of, you know, the past few years of doing this practice, I've definitely noticed that I'm calmer and more centered. I yes. have this, like, I don't know, I call it psychological bristle where I'm just like lying on the same story over and over. I mean, that's turning around and look at it this way and look at it that's that way me. and figure out what it means about me and why me. And that's me. <laughs> Yeah. So. so this breath work you're saying is it has been has transformed that? It's helped me shed a lot of stuff. Yeah. That's I so love cool. that. I'm so I'm loving that. That's so cool. Yay. Thank Jessica, thank you so much for coming on and telling oh, your story. Fine. It's like really brave of you and also for putting this fucking ebook together. <laughs> yes, that's so amazing. You. And like out of chaos for creating the lovely life that you have yes. with your husband and also like your child and also having the generosity on your birthday to come on and talk to two crazy people <laughs> and like make a fucking toolkit for listeners. Like what the fuck? Yeah, you you're are, amazing. Also, you are like we're, we're, we, we're crazy, but we're cute. And, and by we, I mean, Jessica, you are also cute. You're so cute. <laughs> I have, I have, one, I have one um, annoying self-plug that I just wanted to invite oh, yeah, go listeners for it. to, go for it. if I could. Is everyone... Um, we consent. We consent. Yeah. Oh, hold on. Let me, um, <laughs> let me pull it up. You're like, so cool, I don't have it. <laughs> so I've been um, working on this archival footage because like we're talking about now, I've been working on alchemy and I've been looking at the shitty world that we're living in. And I was like, you know who's done, lived in the shitty world before? The people who are ancestors, the people who came before us. And I was like, I wonder what they fucking did in chaos and all this shit and the police killing people. And so I looked specifically here at the, in San Francisco, there's the Gay, Lesbian, Bisexual, Transgender Historical Society, and they have reams and they just have rooms and rooms full of archives that you can dig through if you um, tell them a good reason why and you wear gloves. So um, if anyone's interested in that, but I was, did that. So I, I went into the archives and I literally put on gloves and I like, pulled out a bunch of cool shit. And um, so I wanted cool. to present that to the community because I want to give people hope for how yeah. do we live in this chaotic world? Um, mm -hmm. And how do we, you know, how do we resist? How do we fucking heal? How do we live in mm -hmm. a world that is not meant for us to live in? That in fact feels like we're fucking not meant to live at all, you know? And I, I'm going to end it with a, um, a lovely line from Grey Gardens, uh, Little Edie or Edith de Bouvier, or excuse me, Edith Bouvier Beale. Um, and she says this thing, which I think perfectly captures the reason why I did it and why I think people should come. So it's, it's very difficult to keep the line behind the past and the present. You know what I mean? It's awfully difficult. Mm. Of course, Grey Gardens comes through with the fucking beautiful. Well, and also when, when we, our guest was talking about on telling yourself the same story over and over and over again it's that that's it it's a it's trouble keeping a line between the past, the past and the present, and the present. It's, yeah. it's a difficult thing to do yeah so when it's it, so difficult. tell the people when you know your, I mean? when your presentation is 
Oh yeah, it's not happening. Actually, I'm just um, I'm <laughs> poked just out at a party. Gardening. I'm poked out at a college party, and I'm telling you, I'm going to change the world. Um, and then they're like, you see them the next day in the quad, and they have like a fucking Gatorade, and like are like, I don't fucking know what I said. I fucking hate you all, people. Uh, um, or like whatever. So yeah, it's Wednesday, June thirtieth, and it's going to be from six p.m. to seven p.m. Yay! Um, and, it's going to be sliding scale ticketing. So what that means is if you have nothing, I'm not going to say no, don't come. Like, please come. But if you have, you happen to have anything lying around, the suggested donation is $10. Um, but you can make donation as much as, as much as you want. And I'm going to be donating 85% of the um, proceeds. I'm going to keep part of it because I did a lot of work. Um, yeah. but I'm going to donate like 85% to the transgender initiative. Um, they have a justice project where they give um, access to transgender people incarcerated, uh, legal counsel. And I'm also going to do open house, which is um, hospice for queer elders. So Yay. I really hope that people can attend and give their money to some good things. So Yay. I would love to. Yay. Yay. So- thank you for all the work that you're doing, Jonathan. Thank you. Thank you. That's so fucking rad. And thank you so much, Jessica, for coming on. You are a beautiful spirit in this, in this fucking material world. And we love you and appreciate you. We so love you. Much. Thank you. Yeah. I love you guys. Yay. I love you. Rama. I love you, Remy. Rama. Ding. Love you. Dong. Love you. Love you. Bye.